Is Cam Akers in danger of losing his starting job? Will the Jets inquire about Matthew Stafford? That's coming up next on Locked on Rams. You are Locked on Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Ramblin'? Welcome to another episode of Locked On Rams, your daily podcast covering your one and know Los Angeles Rams, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're also available over on YouTube, so if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the Locked On Rams YouTube channel. Hit that subscribe button, hit that like button, hit that notification bell, and let us know. Do you think that Cam Akers will finish the season as the Rams RB1? My name is Doug McKay. My friends call me DMAC. You can follow me on X at DMAC underscore LA. I've been covering LA sports for over a decade for Sports Illustrated, for Dodgers Nation, for 24-7 sports. Now I'm covering the Rams for Locked On. And as always, I'm joined by the Rams pre-half and post-game show host for the Rams flagship radio station, ESPN 710 LA. He's entering his eighth season covering the team, the people's champ, Mr. Travis Rogers. You can follow him on X at Travis Rogers. On today's show, is the Rams offensive line for real after a strong performance in week one is cam Akers in danger of losing his starting job and will the jets inquire about matthew stafford but first a reminder that this episode of locked on rams is brought to you by prize picks the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports go to prizepicks.com slash locked on nfl and use code all lowercase locked on nfl for a first deposit match up to $100. So we have to dive into the story of the NFL right now. Last night, Monday Night Football, Aaron Rodgers making his debut with the New York Jets. And just four plays into the game, he suffers what they're fearing is an Achilles injury, a potentially season-ending injury for Aaron Rodgers. And on Sunday, Ian Rappaport, he reported that not only did the Rams have trade discussions about Matthew Stafford, but there were multiple teams in the running if any of them wanted to make an offer. Now, for me, I'm not listening to calls about Matthew Stafford. He's the Rams QB1, not just this year, but for years to come. But the question is, will the Jets inquire, and what will the Rams' response be? Now, Travis, having said that, this is the NFL. You can never say never. Do you think things could get interesting between the Jets and the Rams about Matthew Stafford? I think it's incredibly interesting because here, look, you if, if anybody's ever bought a car or a house or any of these things that are big ticket items, you know, usually your first offer is met with, yeah, we don't think so. And if you really want the car or the house, you come back with a second offer. And if that doesn't hit, you come back with a third offer. And eventually you're going to get something that makes somebody go, all right, let me think about this. And I wonder if this isn't a similar situation with what's going on with the Rams. The Rams were asked about Stafford during the offseason before Aaron Rodgers went to New York when they couldn't get the trade worked out. The Jets obviously are all in on this season. They're a really good team, minus Zach Wilson, at quarterback, and they need to make a big uh, a big splash. So they call about Stafford, and the Rams say, not interested. They get the Rodgers deal done, so it's not a big deal. Well, Rodgers goes down four seconds into his New York Jets debut. They're still all in. They still need a quarterback. Matthew Stafford just looked amazing in week one against the Seattle Seahawks. And you wonder if they don't come back with a second offer. Now, I don't know if the Rams even pick up the phone. I don't even know if they're willing to listen to something that might turn their head a little bit. 
but it's not dead. It can't be dead. It, you know, it might be dead as far as the Rams are concerned, but the Jets are going to be calling around the league right now saying, hey, what will it take to get quarterback XYZ out of your building? And I can't imagine that Les Snead's phone number isn't on that list. Yeah, and if they make that call, I hope that they cut the cord and they throw that phone right out of the window. After what we saw from Matthew Stafford in their first game. But yeah, you bring up a great point as far as the Jets, they have to do something. Yeah. They trade for Aaron Rodgers. This team is all in right now. They're built to win this season. I think when you look at just the Jets and what their future holds, if you don't win this season, I mean, it's just more Jets chaos, right? I mean, being a Jets fan is like being in a darkness retreat permanently, right? It's a permanent <laughs> darkness retreat, and it's just incredible. I mean, that scene of Aaron Rodgers just sitting there, kind of just looking sad and dejected. I'm like, that's probably what being a Jets fan is like, and I think that that franchise, after coming with the hard knocks and all the energy that they had going into this season, yeah, it's definitely something that you want to make a move, but I think that this Rams team. If you were going to trade Matthew Stafford, you would have had to done it before March 17th, right? Before his money became guaranteed for that year heading into the season. So I just don't think that they would entertain the idea unless it is a godfather offer, right? Unless that's, it is something the that they just can't refuse. You're talking about multiple that's first round pits, Herschel Walker status. But even then, I just would not do that. And here's why, Travis, is because we learned in week one. Yes, it's just week one, right? We get that weird stuff happens in week one. Last year, the Bears, they won in week one. They would go on to have the worst record in the league, right? So <laughs> we understand that. But on the same token, you don't win in this league unless you have an elite quarterback. And I think that Matthew Stafford is still an elite quarterback. And with the cap space they're going to have next year, with their draft capital being back to where it's been, the best it's been in eight years, I think yep. you still make a run with Stafford as your QB1. I, I think that that's almost certainly what happens, but the almost is the part that intrigues me, right? Because there is a number that makes you go, well, we at least have to listen, right? That is it a first round pick? Is it a couple of first round picks? Is it a couple of first round picks and some swaps? What What is it? Because the Jets are going to be desperate. The Jets are going to have to do something crazy. And it gets super complicated because of how good the Rams looked on Sunday. Look, Go back to Sunday morning before the game had started. No one was really quite sure what this Rams team was going to look like. No one was really sure if they were going to be a team that was going to compete for a playoff spot or this was a team that was going to try to be in the Caleb Williams sweet stakes. And now at the end of Sunday afternoon, Matthew Stafford looks amazing. But the questions are still there, right? The questions are, are you good enough to go to the playoffs? Probably. Are you good enough to win the Super Bowl? Probably not, right? And what is the goal of the team? Are you trying to just get to the playoffs and go, hey, let's see what happens and take a shot? Or are the Rams kind of like the Dodgers, kind of like the Lakers, that they're about championships and anything less than that has to be something getting us closer to a championship? And would a bushel of high picks help you get closer to a championship sooner? Again, I think the answer is probably not. But if that godfather offer that we're talking about, DMAC, is out there to somebody, you have to wonder if it's something, well, how about a first runner? No, nah, man, I, I don't want to trade him. How about two? You're not listening to me. I don't want to trade him. How about three? At, at some point, you're like, all right, hold on, let me call you back. <laughs> at some point, you do really start to think about it. And the win on Sunday really, I don't want to say complicates things because winning is always good, but it makes it a much more complex uh, uh, set of circumstances to try to dissect because are you good enough to win the whole thing? 
odds are probably no, right? Are you good enough to get in the playoffs? Yeah, but, and all of a sudden, you know, San Francisco, we'll see what happens. What if it goes the other way? What if he looks a little bit less and all of a sudden the price comes down? These are very complicated questions for Les Need, Sean McVay, and the Rams organization. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse, right? If he <laughs> they make that insane offer, I mean, I think as an organization, you owe it to yourself to explore everything, right? You, do, you have to do your due diligence. But here's why I just don't think they make that move. Because one, you look at next season, right? This is an organization that doesn't always need to build through the draft, right? Mm-hmm. We've seen that them make, look at Logan Bruss. I mean, look at some of these draft picks that they've made that just they didn't hit on. So do you trust them with that draft capital, right? Of course, you can get that draft capital and trade it for premium players, and that's a possibility as well. But I think the fact that you are doing this cleanse this season with the salary cap and trying to get yourself in a position where you can go out there and spend on big players. I think there's a scenario this year where the Rams become buyers and maybe add an edge rusher that they'll pay for future seasons, right? So I still think at the end of the day, if you look at Stafford's contract structure and the implications of a potential trade, I just think it's highly unlikely. I mean, I do too. you look at, and also too, I, I think it's highly unlikely, but I do, I don't think it's zero, right? That if they, if everything we heard in the offseason, and, and you're right, DMAC, about the structure and all this stuff, but I do think that it went from, okay, look, let, let's just play this out. The Rodgers injury changes every team in the league that's not Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes or some of these other guys. Their phone is going to ring and there's going to be some calls and somebody is going to get an offer that they really like and the the, the Rams are going to be one of those teams that gets that call. They, they, they already were. Why wouldn't they be again? Yeah, I, absolutely. I think if you're the Jets, too, you're operating from a position of essentially no leverage at this point. Stafford's coming off that game where he looked excellent at 91.1 PFF grade. I mean, he five big-time throws, 12.5%, didn't have a single turnover-worthy play. He looked fantastic. He looks like an elite quarterback once again. But I still think at this stage, I don't care if they want to throw in the Empire State Building and the Statue of Liberty. I don't want to trade Matthew Stafford because I think if you're going to blow this up, you could have tried to move Aaron Donald, even though he has a no-trade cloud. You could have tried yep. to move Cooper Cup. And I also think, too, that these early returns on these rookies, albeit a very early return, I think they are going to hit on at least five of them. And if you hit on five-year rookies, you're pretty much going to get a big contract extension as a GM, right? Other teams are going to want to poach you because that's hitting big. So I think that the cupboard isn't bare enough. And these generational talents, they don't grow on trees to the point that, yeah, I won't make the move. Will they call the Jets? Will you see a number from a New York area code this morning? I'm sure you probably will. But I think just imagine, Travis, just kind of close this up, is can you imagine all the excitement in the Rams universe right now as what we saw from Stafford where he was absolutely in his bag just dealing all game long to trade him after that thinking that Rams fan even though yeah it's a little maybe a little delusional right now thinking maybe a 10 win season after what we saw in game one I mean it would be a tough pill to swallow if they made a deal like it, that it, it, it would let's just rehab this conversation on Monday morning after the 49ers game that's all I'm saying let's just let's just do it again on Monday after the San Francisco game see how we feel and see if we're in the same spot Fair enough. But coming up in our next segment here on Locked On Rams, we're continuing to break down the performance of the offense, starting with the running backs. And could Cam Akers lose his job as RB1? That's coming up next on Locked On Rams. All right. Are you ready for the NFL season? You should be because you are getting some incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets 
That is guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off the NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. You can watch all the games, the red zone, everything that comes along with it. That is a great, great deal as well. And now, of course, it is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. Go look at everything that happened in that first weekend. You got a little information in your back pocket. You think you know how this league is going to fall out? Go ahead and go to FanDuel right now. Here's how you do it. You go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Let me give it to you again. FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you do not want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And we are off and running here on Locked On Rams. Thank you for making Locked On Rams your first listen every single weekday, free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Locked On Rams, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And a big shout out to our everyday listeners. We appreciate you watching every episode, listening to every episode. And you can be an everyday listener too. You can join the club. Membership is 100% free and you won't miss a thing about your Los Angeles Rams. Now, Travis, here in our second segment, we're talking about the running back room. Because I thought it was very interesting. Some of the things I saw as far as their schemes, as far as the way they attacked this Seattle defense with the run game. But my first big takeaway is it looks like Kyron Williams is gunning for that RB1 spot. I mean, I think at this point, he's not just a compliment to Cam Akers. I think he's made a very early case to be the RB1. He got the majority of the snaps and I think if week wants any indication, I think that Sean McVay is going to go with the best running back that gives him the best chance to win. I think you're going to see both of the guys all season long health permitting, right? Whether one guy is designated as RB1, the other one is designated as RB2. I don't know if it makes a, a, a huge deal as far as what we're going to see on the field. Now, I would imagine it matters to Cam Akers. I would imagine it matters to Kyron Williams, depending on the depth chart and who's getting the most reps in practice or whatever it may be. Because, look, Cam Akers, my my buddy and, and Super Bowl champion DeMarco Farr, he said it really well, I think, going into the game on Sunday. He's like, Cam Akers is 1,500 yards away from the bag. Right, that he's got to go and have that big season to get paid at the end of the year. Whether that's getting paid by the Rams or whether that's getting paid from somewhere else, he's in that part in his career. So you know you're going to get the very best version of Cam Akers this season. Williams looked really good. Williams got probably, you know, he did have fewer carries, but it felt like it was a pretty even as far as who was out on the field for the amount of snaps. I do think that they're used pretty differently. When you look at it, it feels like Akers is more of an outside sort of guy, somebody that they're trying to get in space, somebody that they're trying to maybe get in one-on-one situations on the outside, whereas Williams is more of your between-the-tackles guy, maybe a little bit more of a power runner as opposed to Akers. You're going to need both. Both of those guys, they complement each other really, really well. Um, Cam Akers, I'm sure, wants to stay RB1 for all of the financial reasons that come along with being able to put up stats like that. But as far as the the result on the field goes, that little one-two punch that they had on Sunday in Seattle was terrific. I'd love to see more of it moving forward. Yeah, and I think you got to put things into perspective, right? I mean, you look at some of the rushes that Cam Akers ha- had later in the game. Those were in obvious run situations. Yep. The box was loaded up. They were trying to get the ball back any way they could. But if you look at his numbers, I mean, 29 rushing yards on 22 attempts. That's not going to get it done. No. That's not efficient. A 64.3 PFF grade. Didn't get a single target in the passing game. He needs to be more dynamic. And like I said, I mean, you look at his career, talking about a guy that hasn't rushed for over five yards per carry, and that's really the case. I mean, didn't look that explosive, didn't look that decisive. And I think Kyron Williams 
52 yards, two touchdowns on 15 rushes. You saw the burst. You saw the vision. He is someone who's a monster in pass pro, and I think they liked him more on passing downs. You look at how those snaps were divided up. Akers, 35% of the snaps with 28, and then Williams, he was on the field for 65% of the snaps. So you look at the 53 he had. So that's very telling, and I think that you've seen how this organization treats players as far as the meritocracy of it all. And Logan Bruss, they moved off of. Cam Akers is someone who most likely won't be with this team beyond this season, so they don't have a ton invested in him. I think that hopefully he's okay with this role because it does feel like a situation. It's like the meme, you versus the guy she said not to worry about, the distracted <laughs> boyfriend meme. It always feels like there's just one other player that's always just in the mix with Cam Akers that takes his snaps. I think that's probably where he does his best work, right? That we've seen him in a situation where it's been his job and it has not gone particularly well. I think that having that little fire underneath him, whether that's was Daryl Henderson, whether or not that was Ronnie Rivers, whether it's Kyron Williams right now, he does his best work when there's another guy in the mix who's going to push him a little bit. Um, I, I, I do think that there's a big factor here, too that we heard a lot from Sean McVay last year how important a part of the organization Kyron Williams was going to be, that he just wasn't healthy, that they liked what he brings, the athleticism, the power, the strength, the toughness that he brought to the the running back room. And I'm as guilty of it as the next guy. It's like, yeah, right, here we go again. Another guy that can't play. We're talking about how important he is. Well, we finally saw him on the field healthy and ready to go. And as usual, Sean McVay was right. He was all of those things. He was that important to what they were doing. So I wouldn't be surprised if in one week you're seeing one guy featured a little bit more. I think that Sean McVay is always going to play matchups before he's going to play individuals. And I think Williams is probably going to have a better matchup frequently than Akers does. But I I don't know if it's going to be one guy all of a sudden we're in week seven or eight and it's like, wow, one guy is so much more featured than the other. I think we're going to continue to see it the way that we did in week one. Yeah, I think for Cam Akers, as far as his overall total, it's just the breakaway speed. You just don't see it right now, the breakaway explosion. But I still think he's going to be someone that is going to be featured as long as he's all in on this role. It's going to be fine. But some thoughts on just the overall running game. I mean, if you look at the numbers and the average 2.3 yards per carry, that's not going to wow you. But I loved the approach. I mean, you saw more 12 personnel, the gap scheme. I mean, just a new running game, more gap in power plays. I mean, you still have the patented outside zone, but I think it was more dynamic. You saw that offensive line who we're going to talk about in a second here. They were getting after it. They were nasty. And I think just the way they used the run, you saw eight first downs on the ground. They scored three touchdowns and also helped this Rams offense sustain those long drives. I mean, they had three drives with double digit plays. I mean, a 16 play, nine, 13 minute drive in the first quarter. They dominated time possession, 39, 23 to 20, 37 total plays, 81 to 46. So if you look right there, I mean, that kind of is the recipe of success for this Rams team. It's just keeping the ball, keeping that defense off the field as much as possible. Yeah, I I like that. I like you're talking about with the drives. I'm going to go back to our baseball conversation that you and I frequently have. This is like a pitcher that has a changeup, but doesn't really throw the changeup. It's more like a show pitch just to keep you honest, to know that I've got it in my bag, that I can do it if I have to do it. That's the running game with Sean McVay and his offense, right? Since Todd Gurley was at his absolute peak, we haven't really seen them with a dynamic running back in the way that this is going to be featured in what they're doing. 
This has been a wide receiver-driven offense. This has been a quarterback-driven offense, not a running back-driven offense. And this is what they do. They're going to run the ball so they can throw the ball, right? They're going to run the ball to keep it as honest as you can. You saw it against Seattle. Look, if they get leads like they did last week, they're going to run the ball to grind clock, to keep that defense off of the field. That defense, as good as it looked on Seattle uh, on Sunday, is still a work in progress. You're not going to want to put them out there for 60, 70 snaps, and they didn't. The running game can certainly help that. I don't know if we're ever going to get back to a point, and I doubt it with either one of these two running backs, where it feels like Todd Gurley, where he's catching 10 balls out of the backfield, where you're giving him 20 carries, where he's doing 150 all-purpose yards on the day. This is more of the show pitch. This is that, yeah, I got a curveball, and I'm going to flip it in there once in a while, but I'm going to get you out with something else. They're going to get you out with Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua and those sorts of guys. They're not going to get you out with the running game. Yeah, we talked about on this show pretty much all summer, seeing some 12 personnel, some 21 personnel. Yeah. This offensive line, they're bigger, they're beefier. You've got movers on that offensive line. I think just seeing these running backs hit all the gaps and they're just more dynamic and just more of an emphasis on that run game. I was pleased to see that. I want to see some better overall production, but mm. still, I think the focus on it is another byproduct of Cooper Cup being out, right? And another potential silver lining is just a different identity for this Rams offense this year. We we know our boy Stafford can sling it, but having that running game, establishing it, you're not going to have a Todd Gurley, right? You're not going to have a potential MVP guy out of the backfield, but by committee, by scheme, I think it's something that's going to supplement this offense in a lot of different ways this year. But we're going to talk about that offensive line, throw out some grades. How does this offensive line look after a rough year last year? That's coming up next on Locked on Rams. All right, T-Mac, let's talk a little bit about prize picks, right? Prize picks is one of the fastest growing ways to, to play DFS sports. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types are what make prize picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. And right now, if you've got the skills, right, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Here's what you do. You pick some guys. You go over or under. Under. You put your expertise to use. I like this player for more, right? Whether it's Justin Jefferson, whether it's Odell Beckham Jr., Saquon Barkley, do you like more or less than 60 yards? Do you like Patrick Mahomes more or less than two touchdowns? It is that easy. Price Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts, right? This is what you do. You go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use the code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars prizepicks.com slash locked on nfl for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars put that prize picks app on your phone go to prizepicks.com and use that promo code locked on nfl and welcome back to locked on rams thank you for being a locked on rams your first listen every single weekday free and available rev gear podcast and another reminder if you haven't yet be sure to subscribe to the locked on rams youtube channel hit that subscribe button hit that notification bell hit that like button also let us know how you feel about the rams offensive line in their week one win over the seahawks now travis here in our third segment got to talk about this offensive line that was to me one of the biggest takeaways is how well they played five starters they played every single snap so i need all the listeners out there to go find a piece of wood every piece of wood you can find just start knocking on it because if we can get this for the entire season it's going to bode well for this offense going to bode well for matthew stafford 
an 84.8 PFF pass blocking grade. That was the second highest of any team in week one. Mm. They allowed just five total pressures. I was very impressed by this Rams offensive line. So coming in uh, to Locked on Rams yesterday, coming into my radio show that I do each day on 710 ESPN, the talk was, wow, Matthew Stafford looked amazing, right? Matthew Stafford looked like he'd been rejuvenated. He looks like he's, you know, quick on his feet and he's throwing unbelievable balls. And then we're talking about Puka Nakua going over 100 yards in his NFL debut and Tutu Atwell finally looking like a complete NFL wide receiver. All of these things are true. None of it happens without the offensive line. None of it. None of it. That all of those things, as good as Stafford was, as good as Nakua was, as good as Atwell is, we just talked, uh, you know, for five or ten minutes, Doug Mac talking about the running game. None of it matters if those five guys up front don't do what you just described. Those five guys were not good. They were great. They were terrific. Now, like you said, knocking on wood and everything else, it's a long season. You got 16 more games to play, and we know how long and dangerous this is and, and how many guys drop out. But if they get something even in the neighborhood of that on a consistent basis, this is going to be a team that's very difficult to beat. We didn't say Steve Avila's name one time on Sunday. That's perfect as an offensive lineman. Joe Nopum's getting crushed left and right during the preseason for all the money that they paid him. He goes out there and plays physical, tough football at right guard. Rob Havenstein looked like the guy that's been in the NFL for 100 years and played and grinded guys out. A.J. Jackson on the other side was fantastic. This was a big kind of found money in A.J. Jackson a few years ago. You, all of a sudden, everything that went wrong last year started because the offensive line was a disaster and Everything that went right in week one this year started because the offensive line was fantastic. 100%. I think you couldn't have asked for a better performance, especially from a group that is playing for the first time as a unit in those spots together. And you had all those snaps. You did have those long drives, and that's yep. going to allow them to gel and have that much more chemistry heading into game two. Last year, 59 sacks allowed. That was the most sacks given up in the Sean McVay era with the Rams. And after week one, you couldn't be anything. You couldn't have asked for anything more. And I think you look at Steve Avila. I kind of want to mention him a little bit because Last night, you looked at Osiris Torrance of the Bills, and to me, Avila was far more impressive. Avila yeah. didn't give up a single pressure. He was looking for dudes. Man, if you go back and watch the game, he was looking for guys. He's nasty. I'm telling you, Steve Avila is a dude. I'm very confident they're going to hit on that pick. Joe Nopum, too, I want to mention that that switch made sense. He yep. looked like he belonged there at right guard, and you got to give him all the credit in the world because some people saw that initial depth chart said, okay, I want Dotson, I want Ankrum, but that switch looked like it worked, especially when you see how effective Jackson was in pass protection. Jackson, the third highest pass blocking grade among offensive linemen in week one. What more could you ask for? This offensive line, they look like a unit. You you said it, DMAC. It's, it's literally on the pad that I take notes on every single day. They're nasty, right? And, and I don't want to disparage the group that they've had previously, but it was more of a technical kind of situation, right? They're trying to play with a great deal of technique. They're trying to play with a great deal of scheme and, and, and intellect. And that's fine if you got the right guys to do that. But go back to when this team was really successful. What they have? They had Andrew Whitworth putting his hands on people. And not that he wasn't a great technician. He obviously was, but they were physical. They were nasty. You go back to Roger Saffold before that when he was playing for the Rams at, at, at that guard position. It's just a nasty, big, tough, physical guy putting his hands on people and making them go backwards. That's what this group was. That's what they did with Steve Avila. That's a big, strong man. He might be young, but he's nasty. And these five guys up front – 
feel much nastier, much more physical? How often did you see somebody down the field, like you just said, looking to hit someone else, looking to put, you know, their body on their body? And this is a this is a group that I'm very enthusiastic about. This is a group that, again, guys are going to slide in and out. It's the NFL. Guys get hurt and guys get dicked up and they miss a game here or there, or play a series here or there. But this was an incredible opening act from this group, and not just because they won the game and kept these guys clean, but the way that they did it. Yeah, what was so encouraging, Travis, you mentioned this yesterday, is they kept Matthew Stafford clean. He was kept clean on 76.9% of his dropbacks. Might as well just have that Rams price tag on that jersey because it was like it was just coming from the store. It was that clean, and he was able to survey the field, go through his progressions, hit 2-2 out on that 44-yard deep ball. It's the first time that 2-2 had played in a game where he started with Matthew Stafford. So that's going to allow him to find guys deep. It's going to keep him healthy, and I think – you want to look at one improvement. The run game is somewhere I think that they're going to continue to make strides, and I think you're going to see them improve in that area. But if you had to pick pass protection versus run game, which which would you rather prefer them to do better in week one? You definitely take pass protection. I think no that these guys, like I said, even how about Coleman Shelton? I mean, Coleman Shelton, he was phenomenal too, a 71.9 PFF grade. That was one of the highest on the team. So, yeah, like you, I'm very encouraged, very very optimistic about this offensive line heading into this season. I think that they're going to be a group that's going to make it. Yeah. Was that? And I'll, I'll just throw one other thing in yeah. there, D Mac, and that is that they have depth, right? They're all the guys that we mentioned. There are some guys that are waiting there to go in if they need to go in. You got Brian Allen at center. You got some guys that can cover you at different spots along the way, like Tremaine Ankrum. If in fact you do have now, if you get hit the way they did last year, at some point, it's unsustainable, but they have some depth. They have some versatility on this line that if they do get a bump or a bruise here and there, they should be able to withstand that to a point. Yeah, just no episode of Squid Game this year. I need like Survivor <laughs> where everyone survives, okay? Yeah, we can't have sure. it happen last season, but yeah, great job by that offensive line. And tomorrow, we're going to focus on the defense. Got a full show dedicated to the Rams defense in week one. That's coming up tomorrow, but that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Rams. My name is Doug McCain. You can follow me on X at DMAC underscore LA. And you can always follow the People's Champ on X as well, at Travis Rogers. And until next time, whose house is Locked on Rams house?